Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis, where New Memphis is celebrating our city by providing a weekly window into the ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward, and successfully shaping the community. Good morning, Memphis. Welcome to your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis here on WYXR. You can also hear this episode as a podcast uh, going to any of the great places where you get your podcasts. My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis. I'm here with my teammate, Christy Mullen. We come to you from a local nonprofit organization called New Memphis. Uh, We are a nonprofit that is working to make Memphis magnetic for talent. Our work is focused on uh, developing, activating, and retaining talent for the more prosperous future for our city. So we are here every week bringing you stories of what is going well in Memphis. We want to make sure we're connecting you to those people, organizations uh, who are pushing our city forward, shaping our city for a more positive future. Uh, This week, we have a a really cool guest. We've we've sort of, I think, been like um, vaguely internet stalking this young woman for a few years because we think her work is just so cool. In the best way, not the creepy way. (laughs) Yes, we're just fans. That's what I should say. We're fans of Sarah Houston. Sarah is the Associate Director of Education and Outreach at the University of Memphis's Center for Applied Earth Science and Engineering Research, which is a mouthful. It is uh, it is shown to us as an acronym that we're like, is it Caesar? Is it? Yeah, Sa- we're not sure yet. So we're going to tell you here at the top of the episode that we have yes. a woman from Caesar coming, and she might come in and go, "That is not at that all. That is not correct." What? But she is. I you know, it's so I find in my in my life, I am surrounded by. Um, uh, artists and creatives most of the time. Mm. These are the communities that I've chosen. <laughs> but I love being around um, some of our friends from the STEM field. And yeah. Sarah has, I think, such a – she is a wonderful um, kind of confluence of somebody who is, again, working in academia. She's um, – you know, I'll, I'll, I'd love to hear more about her background yeah. in terms of research. But um, she's also engaging in public policy. Mm-hmm. And she's making sure that we are protecting one of our cities, our community's greatest assets. Like truly, we say that yes. a lot. Like, oh, you guys are a great asset, to, which is true every time we say it. Right. But Memphis would not be what it is without our aquifer. And we should not take our, our water for granted. So Literally she's, the life source, yes. which is our water. So <laughs> this is like completely ridiculous. Um, I'm currently reading Dune. Okay. Which, yes, I know. I don't <laughs> I'm even like, need to please describe. elaborate. <laughs> I'm in a book club, and I selected this book because I feel like for my entire life, every man in my life Uh from, like, age, like, 10 to now, like, you know, in their 40s are, like, Dune. I love Dune. Dune is amazing. And I – no one ever gave me Dune. No one Uh ever suggested I read it. So I feel like it's this weird gendered gap. So my women's book club, I was like, we're going to read Dune. We're going to do it. And I'm sure you're wondering, why is she talking about Dune? Yeah. And I will say it's because Dune is a desert planet. (laughs) And water is a precious resource on Dune. And I think about that a lot when we're talking about trying to protect our water source. I love that so. you have to bring the narrative full circle. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. If you haven't read the um, sci-fi classic and you want to be both, like, engaged and scared for what would happen if you were in a community without uh, drinking water, then Dune is your book. That's really – it's very interesting that you bring that up, though, because there's – Water is just something that we are very privileged to grow up with. It, like, runs out of our faucets. We don't really have to work for it. It's not something that is a scarce resource to us. But I know, like, as I, like, grew up and started to, like, got involved with, like, organizations like Charity Water that are, like, working to bring water to these organizations. Like, it's just very 
it makes you want to protect what we have even more. And so that's really, I'm right there with you. I'm super excited to have Sarah here to kind of talk about like how we work to do that. Like Memphis is very lucky to have the aquifer and the fresh sources of water we have. Like you can drink straight from the tap with no problem here. Um, so I'm very interested to see kind of all the great tips and tricks she has to help us work to protect the greatest resource we have, really, like besides our people, which is part of our mission statement. <laughs> it's our people and our water. The people cannot exist without water. <laughs> yes, We're people, like 70% water. That's what I'm saying. Like so. the people cannot be the people without the water. So <laughs> Good. Well, before we bring Sarah into the studio, we have a couple of things coming up uh, at New Memphis that we want to yes. make sure everyone is aware of. So. You, if you are familiar with New Memphis, you might be familiar with our program, Memphis 101. We have been offering this for, gosh, I think close to 10 years now, so it certainly predates me. Um, so we offer Memphis 101 a few times a year. It is very generously sponsored by our partners over at Regional One Health, yes. so they help make this event possible. It is a free and open event. It is great for literally anybody, whether you are um, new to Memphis, which I think it's especially um, apropos for someone who's new to our community, but also fantastic for longtime Memphians. So what is it? It is um, a, an interactive presentation, which it sounds confusing, but it's basically <laughs> a presentation that we've put together that takes you through the history of Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um as somebody who enjoys history just generally, yes. I find that intriguing. But why we do it is because we we very deeply understand that uh, in order to shape our city's future, we have to understand our city's past. Mm-hmm. We have to have context for how we got to where we are today to inform where we want to go. Um, you probably know that Memphis has a really rich history, mm-hmm. um, a complicated history, a difficult history. So this presentation uh, it, it's currently a virtual course, so super safe. You can take it from home. It's high energy, again, interactive, but it's going to give you this up-close view into Memphis's culture, people, the historic impact that everything from, you know, music and politics and more, mm-hmm. just all of the, you know, it's so fascinating. You know, the first time I went through the program, you know, over the course of 90 minutes, I was like, wow, that's why that street is named this, or that's why we have this problem with um, our sprawl, or that's why um, this part of our community is underinvested or overinvested, or you know, yeah. it's all the things that you know. When you walk around Memphis and you have the context for how we got here, you see the city through very different eyes. And again, we hope that it informs the perspectives you have on where our city needs to go. So again, this is a free and open event. Anyone can come, but you, we would like you to RSVP. That's how we can get you the link and yes. make sure that we are accounting for you. <laughs> Feel free to invite friends. Again. It's really fun. We've we've condensed this down to just one hour yes. while we're doing it virtually. So it's on April 20th, uh, noon to one. So right over your lunch hour on Zoom. Grab some nice takeout from a local restaurant. And for lunch that day, treat yourself. And then also treat yourself to some Memphis history, guys. Yeah, it's perfect. Yes. Yeah. So you can register at newmemphis.org. I'm sure it's splashed all over our it social is. pages, Christy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we hope you join us again, you know, great for everybody. We particularly try to target people who are new to Memphis because I do think it is such an important education if you've just landed here in the last year or so. It's a great way to explore our city um, without having to leave the comfort and safety yeah. of your home. I will say, even as when I first saw it, I had just started working for New Memphis and we were putting one on through our summer experience program with our launch work. And I was just very taken aback by how much I did not know. 
um, even having lived here for a while mm-hmm. at that point, it's just kind of a really, I love our Memphis 101 because I feel like it's a very immersive experience and the team has done a very good job of crafting that and taking it virtual. And you kind of still, you still get all that, but it's this history that you're not going to find the way it's given to you in your history book, you know, like it's, it's just fun, creative. And so I highly suggest just use your lunch break and get, you know, a little bit of knowledge for your day. Yeah. And so, well, it's again, uh, April 20th, noon to one. Uh, We won't do this again until the fall. So don't Mm -hmm. miss it. This is your, this is your one and done opportunity. Thank you again to Regional One Health for making that possible. Um, And Christy mentioned this. So I will, the kind of second thing I wanted to make sure everyone is aware of is we are, uh, believe it or not, getting close to summer 2021. <laughs> we are. Here we are in April. And um, one thing that we always look forward to at New Memphis for the summer is welcoming all of our college interns, um, whether they are uh, local students, whether they're students coming from outside of the city. We've got so many college students returning to Memphis. Um, so we've been doing work with college students for uh, 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, just like Memphis 101. <laughs> so it's part of our work that we uh, really love. And the whole kind of motivation behind it is we know that we want young people to choose Memphis. We want them to choose Memphis before they go launch their career Mm -hmm. somewhere else. So we started a program called Launch Campus to Career. And this program invites college students, recent grads, graduate students, any young person that's thinking about, again, where they want to start their career. And we program a mix of just really fun community engagement. So opportunities for them to get out, to meet Memphis, to explore our city, to meet other young people. Um, We also offer, I think, really essential professional development for Mm -hmm. young people. So making sure that they have the skills that they need to thrive in a local internship, that they feel confident and comfortable walking into a professional space. And then the third leg of it that I think is um, just really important is just making the introductions to Mm -hmm. local companies. So if you are a local college student, if you're listening to this, Go sign up for launch. Go to newmemphislaunch.org. Um, we will be invited. All of these events are free. Um, again, I think one thing that New Memphis provides that nobody else can give you is just an open door yes. to professionals to learn more about career paths in the city, to get your foot in the door someplace. You know, we all know that networking makes finding that first job, that first internship so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so get the inside track. Um, we have programming through the spring semester, so there's still a, v- a few events left uh, in April. But we have a ton of stuff over the summer. So there's a real density of free events in June and July. This year, um, as we are still being careful and cautious around COVID, um, we have some in, uh, in-person outdoor stuff that are smaller groups. Uh, we have some virtual stuff. So wherever you're at, um, you know, we encourage you to do that. And if you are a company listening, uh, if you have summer interns, whether you have one intern or 100 interns, make sure that you get those interns involved in the program. Um, you know, f- we know that we can't take for granted that young right. people want to, you know, we know that Memphis is amazing. We yes. see it through our eyes all the time. Uh, help us introduce these young people to what makes Memphis most dynamic and exciting for young yeah. talent. Um, and let them know that there is opportunity here. I think so often the misconception is, especially like the younger you are and you've lived in Memphis your whole life, is that I have to leave to launch my career. I have to leave to like actually find my passion and where I will excel in life. And that's not true. I'm not saying that you can't leave and take Memphis with you and be like a cheerleader for us outside of the city. But also, it's just so important to recognize that there is opportunity here. There's a lot of opportunity here. And that is, to me, one of the biggest pros of our launch work is exposing people to those opportunities because like you said the networking piece of our work is just 
so eye-opening and opening those doors for students. And it's just giving such opportunity to you guys listening, companies and students alike, um, because companies need that talent. They need that new, fresh talent as well. So it's a win-win for everybody, guys. So It is. You know, maybe you've got... Uh, kids who are college age. This is a great way to, you know, I always, I, I hear parents all the time, like, I really wish my kids would move back to Memphis. I'm like, don't let them get away in the first place. <laughs> but this is, again, a really great way to help them. You know, to me, living your best life in Memphis requires, you know, many things. But yes. two core things. One, as Christy said, professional opportunity. If you don't have access to a job that mm-hmm. you're going to love, a career that you can grow into, you're going to go somewhere else. But you also have to – Memphis has to be a place that people want to live, not just work. So, again, we believe that Memphis is just teeming with exciting opportunities, fun things to do. So we're showcasing the arts, the culture, the entertainment, the nightlife, the outdoors, all of those things that um, make Memphis exciting for somebody who has so much choice. Um, So we do all of that over the course of the summer. Again, it's 100% free. Thank you to all of the funders yes. and sponsors who make that program free. Um, but this is, again, the season where we really try to ramp up our recruiting effort as, again, we know that um, college students – and, you know, in this year in particular, I know it's been a wild one for college kids. Um, some of them may have not gotten to go back to campus at all. They might be – you know, they might have been learning from home here in Memphis. Um, so I think that these internships are even more important now to help them – continue to build those experiences, continue to explore what kinds of jobs and careers that they want. Um, I will say again, um, if you're a company or you have, you're hosting an intern, um, whether they are in person or virtual, we welcome them. Um, I think, you know, this is work that they can easily jump into to help them at least have a little bit of that Memphis experience, even if they're doing a virtual internship. So I think that's great. Guys, again, go to newmemphislaunch.org to sign up. Um, If you're a company and you're interested, you can go there too and contact an email or you can just email us at info at newmemphis.org and we will get you to the person you need to talk to to get your interns involved with our work. So it's very exciting. We have so much cool stuff happening today. Usually we take time to like talk about ourselves at the top of the episode, but it's like, no, we have so much stuff happening. I'm like, next week we'll just do a full audiobook club on yes. Dune. So I need to check know. Back I, in I, like I'm going to go home and immediately Google Dune. Like what is Dune? Just... Well, I just finished it and it's, it's a pretty lengthy book, um, but there are apparently like a number of sequels. And I, I think, I think I'm like one and done with just the main <laughs> Dune book. I, I long, I look forward to the new film adaptation coming out later this year. <laughs> Um, so, uh, well, from deserts to water, let's transition from Dune to our, um, probably very brilliant and academic guest (laughs) who's not wasting her time (laughs) reading sci-fi novels. Um, tell us more about Sarah before we bring her into the studio. So Sarah Houston, like we've said before, is the associate director of education outreach at the university of Memphis for the center of applied earth science. In engineering research, which we talked about before, we're not sure if it's Caesar or not, but she just has a long history and we're going to get into it. And I'm so excited about just protecting our resource that we talked about earlier at the top of the show that we have. So I'm very excited for her to be here today. Like, ah, like it's just perfect timing because of everything that's going on right now with the pipeline to everything else. Um, So let's just go ahead and get started. All right, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing so good. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, thank you for being with us today. Super excited to have you here today. Like, Power to the podcast. Is this your first podcast? <laughs> this is. Well, actually, it's my second. I did one when oh, we were on Sorry. our bike tour. Oh, but yes. But this is my first podcast 
in my current role. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I have so, don't don't worry. I will get to that bike tour. <laughs> I was going to say, I have so many questions. On this list of questions. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, we have a lot to get into, but I just want to take some time to kind of table set for those listening who may not be super familiar with you and the work you do. Kind of just give us a little bit of background on what it is that you and the team are doing over at U of M. Yeah, absolutely. So Caesar, y'all nailed it on yes. the first try. <laughs> Thank That's you. That's what we call it. <laughs> um, so to give y'all a little little mini history lesson, uh, since y'all just plugged Memphis 101, you know, here's my version yeah. of it. <laughs> so uh, we started as the Groundwater Institute in 1992, and we were still part of the University of Memphis and really just researching, you know, our water resources in Shelby County. And there was another center on campus, a Center for Partnerships in GIS, and they did a lot of mapping work, a lot of digitization of files, like taking paper files from like utilities, the city, the county, and putting them in digital format and mapping format, things to make it a lot easier to yeah. fix gas lines, stormwater infrastructure, things like that. Mm. And we eventually merged to become Caesar in 2015. So we still have those kind of two buckets of research going on. And so my position was from the Groundwater Institute. So we've always kind of had that water niche, and that's, that's my passion yeah. and, and expertise. But we actually just added another division, the Division of Transportation and Logistics. And so that's actually from Dr. Stephanie Ivey, Dr. Martin Lipinski, and they used to run IFTI. And so we are a multidisciplinary research center housed under the College of Engineering, but we work with urban planning. We work with earth sciences. We would do a lot of research across the campus just to kind of build that collaboration and, and get a more holistic idea of the issues you know, affecting our city. So tell us about your history because I think, you know, how did you end up in Memphis, first of all? And how, how did <laughs> yeah. this end up being? Where did the passion for water <laughs> come from? <laughs> Ooh, okay. So I'll have, kind of have two answers to that. Okay. So the passion, <laughs> that actually came from um, a, a summer job in college. I was a, a canvasser for Environment Texas. So I, I'm from Texas. And um, I was door to door, knocking on people's <laughs> door, raising money for the environment. <laughs> and it was our, our issue that summer was increasing City of Austin's water conservation budget. So trying to get a little bit more dollars from city council to put for like, um, not just educational programming, but like actual some like conservation, like instrumentation and measurement. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a worthwhile cause. Knocking on people's door. They have no idea where their drinking water comes from. Yeah. They have no idea about water infrastructure at all. I'm like, uh, this is like a resource you use every day mm -hmm. and you don't know where it comes from. <laughs> and so I'm like 19, just kind of like, well, that's like kind of concerning, <laughs> you know. And so I was in political science at the time and I stayed in that. But I kind of took like a water policy kind of, you know, additional uh dive like the like last two years of college and I was just like wow there's a lot of water issues around here once I started getting to like see things I'm like there's concerns pretty much everywhere so after college I just kind of tried to stay on the water the water train so I did like PR and consulting for like environmental work and then I did educational outreach for field trips for kiddos so I always kind of tried to stay on this water track Kind of made that up. And I was like, I'm <laughs> just doing track. it. Like, I'm just doing it. <laughs> I'm going to figure out if that's like a career I can make happen. And um, but so then 2016, I'm like with my long term boyfriend. We're about to get married. 
he had been working for the state of Texas for like eight years. I was in my like nonprofit role for like over three. And I was like, oh my God, are we just gonna like be in these positions for the next 30 years and just like not get to adventure <laughs> you had more that than like our week of vacation, <laughs> like until we're 60 and I'm like kind of having a panic attack. <laughs> and uh, at the time we were living next to some neighbors, we were in this like garage apartment in Austin and they were a little younger than us. They're like, we're going to go like live the van life. We're like, all right, cool. Have fun. That sounds great. <laughs> they're like, well, actually, that's really expensive because you got to buy gasoline. So we're going to go on a bike tour. We're like, what is that? <laughs> I don't even know. And literally, you like live on your bicycles and you've got your bags, your panniers attached to the front and the back and your camping gear, your cooking gear, clothes, food, water. And they're like, y'all want to come? We're like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so we like quit our jobs, sold most of our stuff, like went on the tour with them. After about two months, they were like, yeah, we're done. And we were like, we love this so much. <laughs> and so we, my husband and I, Patrick, we started bike touring and didn't stop for like almost a year and a half. And along the way, we were like, let's have like a purpose to this, mm -hmm. you know, not just like adventure and have fun. And, you know, I like... I had my water interest and he had been starting to kind of video edit it and play a little bit with that. So we decided to launch a YouTube channel, Wander Like Water, where we were kind of just telling water stories of like the sources of water, wherever we were biking, interviewed like utilities and research centers and, you know, nonprofits, whoever was doing water work in those spaces. And we got like so many cool interviews, like with like hotels in Las Vegas, like the director of global sustainability. I'm like, <laughs> we're like in our bicycle gear, like with these like big wigs up on a tower. I'm like, how is this even working out? But that's how we ended up in Memphis. We interviewed my now boss, Dr. Brian Waldron, because I was looking up, you know, Memphis water issues. Yeah. We bicycle toured from the Mississippi headwaters in Minnesota all the way down to New Orleans. Wow. <laughs> so 2,000 miles pedaling. Just a casual, <laughs> casual <laughs> little, few miles. It's stroll. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, by the time we got to the Delta, we were just like, holy smokes. What did? <laughs> what are we thinking right now? But when we were in Memphis, you know, I was, like, doing my research. And I was like, what is this, like, crazy aquifer below the city when you have, like, the Mississippi River right there? And we had been through St. Louis that they get their drinking water from the Mississippi River. We were on our way to New Orleans. They get their water from the Mississippi River. We're like, why does Memphis have this like special thing? And so I'm like <laughs> kind of doing my research and I interview my now boss and he was like, you're asking really good questions. I'm like, well, I am a water nerd, so I did my <laughs> homework. Um, but then like a few months later, he's like, hey, I'm looking to make this new position, this associate director of education outreach. Like, would you be interested in applying? I'm like, uh, we were like back from our bike tour, super broke, <laughs> had like <laughs> no idea what we were doing with our career slash life. And I was like, you want to move to Memphis? He's like, let's see what happens. <laughs> and so that was 2018. And uh, yeah, we've been here ever since. And he's now Shelby County firefighter. So he wow. just got that position a couple months ago. And I'm like, just like fully immersed in Memphis water. I'm like, this city has so much cool stuff going on. And that's I how we that got here. I think that is the most interesting. <laughs> I know. Like, how did you come to the story <laughs> yeah. I've heard today? Because I ask this question to everybody, and it's usually like, well, you know, after college. I, anyway, <laughs> it's like, I quit my job and went on a bike tour. <laughs> yeah, that's why I got to Memphis via bike. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. very impressive. <laughs> well, I, I want to, before we get into some of the policy mm -hmm. stuff and mm -hmm. the issues, I, I want to 
do our our listeners the favor of explaining because again we've been saying over and over again we take for granted where does our water yes, come from what right. is it um, because we're so blessed here that I think that it even drives greater unengage disengagement with yeah. Yeah, that narrative people so, don't think about mm -mm. it yeah I mean if you, you know if you were in California right now and you know experiencing some of the, the droughts that happen on the western part of our country mm -hmm. you might just the layman might be more aware so right. Um, I'm asking one for myself because I, <laughs> I kind of know, but like would love to hear it from you. Uh -huh. um, what is the aquifer? What? How do we get our water? What makes Memphis quote unquote special in this way? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we can get into how it's being threatened. Yeah. No, those are great questions. So I'll start with what is an aquifer? Yes, please. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yes. I cannot answer that. Super basic. I'm like, but like people say the word, they're like, I have no idea yeah. what that means. <laughs> so like the the technical definition is a layer of sediment underground that's saturated with water. So think like a sandbox that's just been rained in. Mm. Or you can have rocks, you can have caves that are filled with water. Um, that's not what we have here in Memphis. That's more like if you go to East Tennessee, you got the caving system and the springs and the la la. That's that's car system which is really rocky. And so that um, they, they'll get rainwater infiltration real quick. Like it'll infiltrate in real fast. Whereas here, we've got this sandy soil, lots of clay. So our aquifer, it takes a long time for that water to travel through. So aquifer, layer of sediment, saturated with water. Now, when you say that, a lot of times people, they're like, oh, there's like a big lake under Memphis. <laughs> right. or like an ocean thing. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that's what I was saying. <laughs> right. If so you dig too far, like, you can just go swimming <laughs> yeah, in the middle right. of Memphis. That's where our little <laughs> underground mermaids are. <laughs> Um, well, like a lot of times, like, you know, newspapers will be like, oh, in this underground reservoir, yeah. which like it is. But people think like there's a big lake mm -hmm. underground. And no, if you go, if you're like in downtown Memphis and you go down like about 300, 400 feet, that's where you get to the top of the Memphis aquifer. And it's really just a thick layer of sand. And all those little pore spaces between the sand filled up with water. And so this is the hard part to like describe when you don't have a visual, but right. I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> so if you were to chop our land in half and go down like thousand feet, the first layer you get to, there's actually a shallow aquifer right below our feet. So if you were to dig down like maybe 30 feet in your backyard, like you might start to see some water pool up. And that's like gravel, sandy, a little bit of clay, but that's our shallow aquifer. Now the water in that aquifer is gonna be lower quality, think kind of like Wolf River quality, mm -hmm. kind of muddy, kind of silty. And also, there's contamination in there. Right. We've been an industrial city for 200 years before the EPA was formed. There wasn't really, like, proper disposal of waste. So people would, like, dig holes and dump toxic waste into the ground and be like, cover that up. <laughs> All right. You're good to go. If you, <laughs> you cover know, like, it, it wasn't there to begin with. <laughs> right. All right. Looks good. Okay. Um, so that's our shallow aquifer. So, like, there's water in there. We're not really using it. Then you go down another layer, there's this thick layer of clay. That is one of the reasons Memphis has such awesome water is that clay layer acts as like a protective barrier. So that shallow aquifer can't really sink down too deep into the Memphis aquifer. So that protective clay bar barrier is very, very important. Our next layer, then we're in the <laughs> Memphis aquifer. Then you're in that thick, sandy layer that... Is, is really pristine. And the majority of the water that we're pumping out of that aquifer today fell as rain 2,000 years ago. Wow. So we're not worried about microplastics or human pollution. Like it is some like pristine stuff. And because it takes so long to infiltrate, 
the actual ground and the sands are being a natural Brita filter mm. in a way too. So we've got time on our side and we've got this like protective clay layer. But I will say <laughs> <laughs> that over the past maybe 60 years or so, USGS along with Caesar at the University of Memphis, we've discovered there's naturally occurring like gaps in that clay. Sometimes the gaps are called breaches. Sometimes they're called windows. Um, but it's areas where that clay is not intact. So there's going to be a little space that's filled in with the same materials that would be like in the shallow and Memphis aquifer, sandy, silty, gravelly clay. So you have that direct connection between the shallow and the Memphis aquifer. So there's little areas where some of those, that younger water, water that's, you know, younger than 60 years is our definition of young water, water that's under 60 years and potentially some contaminants along the way actually have a pathway to the Memphis aquifer. So that is something that's of issue that we're studying right now. But like I said, like the, the reason Memphis has such good water, we've got that protective clay barrier, the upper Claiborne confining unit. <laughs> and that one is like literally acting as this just like cap on our aquifer where stuff can't get in. And you just have a slow, slow moving system that it takes a long time for stuff to travel through, which, you know, means that when we trash the ground here, we're not really going to have any repercussions right away. Mm. Maybe in 80 years, maybe in 100 years when that stuff's starting to sink down low. But it's it's like we've had time, so nobody's really given it a thought. But now we're starting to see where some of that pollution has started to sink down and finding out where those breaches are, where they could potentially get into the Memphis. That's one of the areas we want to investigate further and make sure that's not coming through. And if it is, we got to figure out what to do to make sure it doesn't get to our drinking water wells. Do we know like how many breaches there are? Yeah, that's a good question. So we kind of have two categories of breaches. We have known. So ones that we've drilled through, we're like totally positive. There is a breach right here. Then there's other areas that we call them suspected breaches where something funky is going on with the data. Like it, the water levels are low in that spot. Or, you know, we've, we've seen some young water at like a nearby, um, at a nearby pumping station. So we're like, eh, we haven't confirmed that there's a breach there, but something's funky. We're going to draw this big blob on a map and say, like, we need to investigate further. So at this time, we have um, about 16 known or suspected breaches. And they're usually like a couple acres big. They're not going to be like gigantic, like, you know, half of the city. It's going to be little spots where... Probably before the like actual Wolf River, like think like 10,000 years yeah. ago, where rivers had like carved through bits of that clay layer. So they're old river channels that kind of scoured some of that clay. And then over the years, you know, that's the sediment like rocks and sand and silt kind of filled in the space. So it's like old geologic history. So they're not really any new ones forming, mm. but we're just trying to find out where the, they are so that we can, you know, work to make sure they don't become an issue. I'm so fascinated. I can see y'all's wheels turning. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm like, I you can't see my mouth hanging open because of the mask. But I love it. <laughs> you know, my understanding when, you know, at New Memphis, part of our job is to um, share narratives about like what makes Memphis special, like mm -hmm. why people choose Memphis. And, you know, we hear, especially from our friends, well, in the corporate sector, like, mm -hmm. 
we have so much water. We have such an abundance. Yes. So it's not just that we have great tasting water that you can drink from the tap, mm-hmm. but there's such an abundance of yes. it. And I'm curious, obviously that's unique, mm-hmm. right? And that's because of the, the aquifer. Mm-hmm. But if, as you say, it, it takes, you know, this is like 2,000 year old water, it's not being replenished very quickly. Ding, ding, so ding. Are we, I'm, doing, I'm piecing it all yeah, together. You're doing a great like, job. how worried should we be? Exactly. <laughs> so is part of the issue the the amount of the water we're consuming now? And what is the what is the cause of that? I mean, knowing that our population, right. frankly, I mean, unfortunately, in some ways, hasn't ballooned mm-hmm. a ton in the last, like, 30 years. So what are the greatest threats in mm-hmm. terms of quantity? Yeah, no, that's a really great question and point. So, like, coming from Texas... You know, when I was doing environmental education there, like conservation was a huge mm-hmm. piece of our curriculum and what we would push, like, you know, cons- conserve, 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 because, you know, we can see when we're in a drought period, you can see the lakes like actually declining and we're like, oh, crap, there's our visual cue mm. that like, we're in trouble. People take yeah. really short showers and, you know, and here you don't see the water. <laughs> People yeah. have no idea. They're just like. It's below ground. We got something good. Yay. <laughs> that dinosaur water still thriving. <laughs> yeah. We're fine. Love it. Glad to have it. And also just in general in the eastern United States, you get a lot of rain. Okay. So, you, you know, we average like 50 something inches of rain a year. So you're, there's not this idea. There's not like a visual cue for, you know, layman's people to say like, I need to conserve my water. So to your point, like, is there an issue with the quantity? Short answer is yes. And there's kind of two pieces of that. There's one is like, we just don't really know. Hmm. So if you think about like groundwater or aquifers like a checking account, it's like you need money to go in so that you can take it out. And if you just keep taking too much out, you're eventually not going to have any money left. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone can identify with that concern sometimes. (laughs) So it's similar to water where, you know, we're going to be pumping water, you know, our residents here for their homes, industries for factories, you know, farmers to a much lesser extent, they actually don't need to pump a lot of groundwater because we get Mm -hmm. rain, but you know, they could be water users too. So there's a lot of people that need to pump the water, but we don't really have a good equation, a good idea of really what that recharge, what that infiltration rate really is. And so if you think about you know, think about the city where you've got concrete everywhere. You've got roofs, you've got concrete, you maybe got little patches of grass here and there, but you're not going to get a lot of, you know, rainwater penetrating through mm. that topsoil into the shallow aquifer, potentially, you know, into the Memphis. You're not going to get a lot of that. So that recharge rate is going to be very different than if you were to go, you know, to Fayette County, where you've got a much, you know, much more green space Uh or to a park like Overton Park or Shelby Farms, you know, like everywhere the land cover is a little different, that recharge rate is probably going to be a little different. And is there pumping nearby? Because that's going to impact your recharge. Uh So very, very complex question to answer. So again, short answer, yes, we're concerned, but we just want to know, you know, are we at that sustainable threshold of pumping the same amount that we're replenishing. And so that's something that we are investigating at Caesar. And we've been doing like little small research projects over the years in Fayette County. And um, we just recently started doing more work in Jackson, Tennessee, like over um, along Sandy Creek and some of the rivers there to get a sense of groundwater infiltration or recharge. 
But then we launched last year, well, it's 2021, oh geez. Mm -hmm. Late 2019, we launched our Aquifer Sustainability Project. We were trying to get private companies to donate to this recharge side of the equation. Because the quality side, which we'll talk about a little bit later, is actually funded through MLGW Water Bills mm -hmm. 1.05%. So we've got citizens, you know, putting their money in and like helping with this research. We're like, all right, private companies, like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's see what you got. And so international paper, like they came to the, like came up like real quick. Like, yes, this is important. Like, let's put some money into it. So we're starting that, like um, that investigation. And it's going to take a long time. There's a lot of complexity to it, but we're going to get a much better sense of West Tennessee's like actual consumption, actual recharge to see if we are in that sustainability kind of piece. And I will also say Camores was another donor and GP Cellulose donated some equipment too. Yeah. So you're so knowledgeable. I feel like every question like I have you answer <laughs> in your answer. And I'm like, this is great. Just keep going. <laughs> but like I'm learning a lot of new stuff that I didn't even know. So I'm pretty curious, like well, the part of your work, like what are y'all doing to kind of educate the community and like mm -hmm. do more outreach out in our city to like let people know not only what you guys are up to, but what we can do to help. Yes, 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 yes. Awesome question. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, that's my realm. You know, I'm education outreach yes. associate director. So like, you know, is my thing. So we've had a K through 12 programming kind of ad hoc. We have this super awesome water on wheels mobile, the wow mobile. <laughs> um, it's awesome. It's like a traveling water science museum, 24 foot long trailer with cool like water cycle, water conservation, Memphis aquifer, like all these really cool exhibits. So on the when inside. we're back in office, you will bring the the wow oh, mobile to yeah. the new Memphis office so <laughs> yeah. we can have a field trip. Oh my gosh. I was like, I was actually, I was talking to Nora when I first moved to town. She is obsessed with you. I just need like, she was like, you've got to talk about the water mobile. Oh and I'm like, gosh. I will. I was <laughs> like, like, Nora, once you're like, you know, getting your leaderships, like, you know, all these classes together, like if you want the wow to come visit y'all yeah. yes. sometime, you know, like, um, but yeah, so the water Wheels Mobile has kind of been like our cornerstone education program. And so it was really built to get water, you know, a field trip out to school so they don't have to worry about buses and logistics. Like we show up with the stuff. So um, we've revamped that curriculum. And so once COVID is done and we're like in person in schools, my goal is to get that to fourth grade classrooms all across Shelby County and like try to get everybody, like all the fourth graders, like get them on that bus and like learn about the water. We've got cute little worksheets <laughs> and like fun curriculum. Um, so like that's one tool we use. We also have like a whole bunch of like lesson plans and curriculum and activities for pretty much like K through eight. So we have a lot of like kids stuff, teacher stuff. We're building out some more like nine through 12, you know, older kids stuff. Um, so we have like that sector. And there's, you know, conservation goes along with it and, you know, disposing of your paint and your mm -hmm. batteries and your oils and, you know, in a responsible manner versus like dumping it, you know, down the storm drain or like in your backyard where it's going to like leach into the aquifer. We don't want that. <laughs> um, but then the other side to your point, you know, is the general public, mm -hmm. you know, and like how do you reach the people about the stuff? Yeah. <laughs> and so we do a lot of like um, elected official engagement. So like we kind of make our rounds with city council. Um, you know, we work with Protect Our Aquifer. We work with a lot of, you know, 
people in that space, uh, Wolf River Conservancy, you know, and so we were like, you know, we do talks, we, you know, we'll host like workshops and things. Um, in 2019, when we started this big, you know, MLGW water quality project, we had two public forums. And that was like my first like thing when I moved here was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, event planning for water, like communication, <laughs> that is my thing. <laughs> and so. It's like a real niche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super very specific. random. I was like, we're making this thing happen. <laughs> and so, you know, I got the go ahead from MLGW and we got this awesome presentation together. And I mean, I made sure I was like reaching out to every Every person I knew was like the person to reach out to neighborhood associations, like elected officials. I mean, every, you know, nonprofit, I'm just like, share this info with, you know, with your newsletter, with your people. I like New Memphis. I, mm -hmm. you know, I contacted Nora about it. Anyway, we had, it was at the Central Public Library. It was an hour, half long presentation. I got like catering trays from, from Kroger. I'm like, we're going to have food and sodas, like come people. We had 200 individuals show up to a water nerd talk about our aquifer. And I was like, heck yeah, Memphis, I'm so proud of y'all. Like, this is awesome. So um, so we we plan on doing more of those type of events um, and recording them and having them available on YouTube if you, like, can't actually physically be yeah. there. Um, those, we, we get kind of into the weeds a little bit with our research, but it's just to kind of show, like, what goes into it to let people know like where our areas of concern might be and when it comes to, like what individuals can do it's tricky because it's a lot of like big stuff right conservation still is really important and i'm not saying like okay you need to take a two-minute shower and like you know like you can you can take your 10-minute shower but please don't go over 10 minutes <laughs> No, but um, I'm doing my part by not showering nearly as much. There you go. <laughs> so I know. Really Quarantine <laughs> has had to help our aquifer. I know, like, right? That would be really interesting to see if there's been like a rebound the data, in water yeah. levels at all. <laughs> like, Unintentional it's like the rare bright spot and like the pandemic is <laughs> Memphis water has. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious to see. Um, so, you know, water, like conservation still is important. Like, you know, when you're when you're brushing your teeth, mm -hmm. turn turn the tap off. If you're like a hand wash dishwasher, turn off the faucet while you're scrubbing. If you have a lawn, like only really water during the summer, like once a week max. I'm really more for like native plants and just relying on rainwater. Mm -hmm. And like we don't need fresh, clean drinking water pumped on grass that isn't being used for anything. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. Um but, you know, like there's a lot of things people can do to conserve every day that's not really going to impact your lifestyle that right. much. But it's going to help us keep that that pressure of the aquifer up. And so you're not going to have that shallow aquifer flowing down as fast. Because when you pump out too much water, I'm using my hands so no one can yeah. see this. <laughs> there's a V. <laughs> yeah, there's a V. This is a cone of depression yeah. <laughs> where you have like a well that's pumping a lot of water. And so some of that sand might become like unsaturated. They're not going to have any water there. So that shallow aquifer, if there's a breach nearby, is going to have a pathway to mm. flow much faster, ah. following gravity, moving quick. So if we have more water in the aquifer, it's not going to be able to travel as fast with that potential polluted water. So conservation, it's not so much about running out of water as it is about, you know, ensuring that contamination doesn't get in. But also subsidence. Here's a scary one. Y'all want this one? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, what does it mean? Okay. <laughs> like, I'm like, spell it. <laughs> spell it. Oh, gosh. I'm not a spelling bee person. 
<laughs> um, so subsidence is is when like land actually sinks because ah. there's no water to keep ah. that land buoyant anymore, and so all those little spaces between you know the sands and gravel collapse. You don't think about that. Sinkhole kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So sinkhole is what you would see more like in that karst, that rocky region where you get like just like a huge hole Mm -hmm. in the ground. You're like, well, that's not good. (laughs) That's unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. So like ours usually isn't that drastic because we don't have those big like Mm -hmm. cavernous, you know, holes underground. Ours is going to be more like incremental where it just like a couple inches, a couple millimeters a year or, you know, it's like slowly happening. But when that does happen, it ruins foundations. That's what I was about to say. I can picture like foundations, yep, and buildings. Yep, yep. Yeah, buildings get, getting screwed up, you know, roadways. So like it's it starts to like destabilize like these these buildings and these things that are like, you know, permanent structures on the land. So like in the Houston area, they have a very similar kind of sandy aquifer system like we do. And they're dealing with massive subsidence. Like major areas of the city have like, like actually like shrunk down like, 13 inches like over a foot like bad 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 stuff and when that happens like i said it kind of collapses the pore spaces and so you're not going to ever get that recharge there again you're not going to like bounce that land back up and like fill it back up with water so you're going to like reduce capacity of the aquifer to hold water while also probably damaging your property in some form or fashion. (laughs) So conservation is also important for that. It's kind of this like existential thing, but it's like, you know, little actions by everybody will help, you know, keep those types of things from happening. So you've talked about depletion Mm -hmm. of of that being sort of a a concern. Mm -hmm. What are other threats to the aquifer? And I'm sort of transitioning into the pipeline conversation, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure there are Again, aside from us just using too much water yeah. for non-essential purposes, what else do we need to be concerned about? And in terms of the advocacy work that you were talking about, right. what are policy level issues that even individuals mm-hmm. who are not necessarily elected officials could be advocating for yeah. or at least be educated on so they could voice an opinion yeah. when they go to the, the polls? No, absolutely. And I think like to your point, like what can citizens do? Again, I keep like coming back to that because it's not like one easy answer. Yeah. It's like a circle. It is. Yeah. And you're, it's like the work's never done. No. <laughs> so it's like on that, you know, to that side, you know, having individuals, like you said, with the knowledge, reaching out to their elected officials, city council, county commission, state reps, you know, having them be informed enough to at least raise some concern. And so sometimes there's like specific action need to be taken, like protect our aquifer and you know, Memphis against uh, Memphis community against the pipeline, MCAP, you know, they've been they're the advocates. They're the activists. Right. You know, they're the groups. boots on the ground. Right. People. Right. And so, like, they've done a really good job of, like, telling the people, like, what to do, who to reach out to, what to say. And so, like, our role is more like data, science, provide the information and then people can choose to do what Use, they want yes. with it. <laughs> you know, being a university under the purview of the state of Tennessee, like we really don't issue opinions or support or oppose right. any project, much less the pipeline project. It was like we just don't like really do that. We don't to take stay. that stance, yeah. Right. Cause like we want to stay like, you know, a reputable scientific body. Yes. You're there to give the like you said, the data. You've right. got the hard facts, the data, you present it. Right. People take that and, and run with it how can they may. Do what they want. <laughs> exactly. So for the people that are really looking to like like fight the good fight, like I would recommend, you know, going, joining Protect Our Aquifer, you know, signing up for their Facebook group. MCAP is like on the fight right now with the pipeline. So like there's outlets to do 
that kind of stuff. But another thing to to your question is um, Shelby County has a really unique um, water authority in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, I'm using my hands. I'm a hands talker. I do it all the time. Not so helpful. you are in good company. <laughs> okay. You have to like announce I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Shelby County Groundwater Quality Control Board, that was a board that's actually under the Shelby County Health Department that was... Um, formed like in the ni- or in the 90s, I believe they actually like got their bylaws and everything. And so it's it's this is a saga of policy. I'm not gonna get too deep into it, but pretty much it's this unique county authority that approves permits that is could be tasked with doing more water level, water monitoring, water quality, and could be more of a an authority, if you will, on, that holistic management of the aquifer. They traditionally have really only been like permit approvers and deniers, like really kind of bare bones um, or like organization. But they're under that purview of the Shelby County Health Department. And as we know, Health Department's been pretty busy the past year. What do you mean? mean? (laughs) Yeah. So they kind of do some other stuff. Um, So it's been like a protector aquifer has really like taken on the charge of like, trying to just be more of a influential voice and how to get that that body to do a little bit more for the aquifer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where like the policy side kind of comes into play and like, you know, attending those meetings. There's actually one. Oh, this is going to be airing in April, but there is one uh, this coming Wednesday, which is March 24th. And just to kind of like see how those go, one thing that has been nice with COVID is all of these government meetings are like now virtual. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you can attend city council meetings in a much more comfortable and easy so way. So convenient. They're really, like, really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like it's, it can't, you kind of get into the weeds. It gets like really, you know, kind of snoozy. But to like see how those conversations go, mm-hmm. to know who's who. So when action is needed, you kind of know, you're kind of already up to speed and you can kind of, you know, jump in on board. So the Shelby County Groundwater Quality Control Board is very unique to Tennessee in general. And it could do more to manage the aquifer in a more holistic sense, but it's at least it's there. And it's, and right. it's doing something to kind of keep that awareness of our water, groundwater usage, you know, kind of in check. I think that education piece is so important. Like... I think that's the first step, right? Mm-hmm. As I listen to you talk, mm-hmm. I just realized there's a lot that I don't know. Right. And so to before you like form an opinion on which side of whatever you're mm-hmm. on, like <laughs> it's like getting the data, getting taking yeah. the steps to educate yourself. Yeah. I think it's just really cool that you guys are like helping make that yeah. happen. Anna was ready to go with a question. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. My deep. <laughs> Your deep. Yeah. I was like, I like, as soon as I started talking, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Anna had a question. I don't want us to assume that our listeners know, like when we're talking about the pipeline. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is the pipeline? Right. And what impact could it potentially have? That is a great question. Sure, sure. So the pipeline is the Bahalia Connection Pipeline. And, um, it is a joint venture between Plains All-American Pipeline Company and Valero. Uh, I don't know what the rest of their name is. Valero. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the more common one. Yeah, I'm like, uh, they might have some other words after that, but I don't remember. <laughs> um, so so what? there are two really big north-south pipelines on either side of Memphis. One coming from Arkansas. The other one actually kind of going through like almost Collierville. 
and they transport crude oil north-south. Mm -hmm. This Bahalia connection pipeline is looking to be an east-west connector between oh, those two. And really that's for Valero to be able to move crude in any which direction to the refineries to potentially export and or turn into gasoline, like kind of to keep them more nimble with the market. <laughs> that's, yeah. So one thing about when you're in water, you have to like be like a mini expert in like financial systems. <laughs> and like, like, I don't, I'm just learning like, who literally like every you, day. You had this passion for H2O. You had to like become <laughs> right. aware of all these I'm like, things. okay, oil and gas market susceptibilities. Yes, <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, so, so like that's the purpose for right. the pipeline, right? But it would be an underground pipeline. It would only be buried like three to four feet, maybe up to 30 feet if it's going under a river. Um, so it's not going to be in the Memphis Aquifer until you get to Mississippi. The end of the pipeline mm -hmm. actually would go into the area of the Memphis Sands Aquifer where the sands actually come to the surface. Mm. So we've kind of got this like bowl-shaped um, aquifer to where in Memphis it's really deep, but you go out east towards Collierville, Fayette County, the sands come up to the surface. Okay. So where the pipeline, the proposed pipeline route is coming through in, in Memphis is pretty far away from our actual aquifer. But the concern um, there is that it's the proposed route goes through Davis Wellfield. And a well field is a cluster of wells that are they're pumping the drinking water supply for that area, taking it to a water treatment plant, distributing it to houses. So the Davis well field supplies, you know, houses and industries throughout southwest Memphis. So, you know, having a potential source of contamination go through a well field, like not an ideal situation. And then there's also a known breach to the west of that well field. It's not directly under the proposed pipeline route, but it's it's close. Close enough, yeah. And we can't say with any authority that we know that the rest of the clay layer below that proposed route is or isn't intact. So there hasn't been enough studying done along that route to be like, clay's all intact there. We know for sure we've got this natural protective barrier. Like, we don't know that. So that's kind of like what's going on right now. Like we've provided data to the pipeline company. We provided data to MLGW, to Southern Environmental Law Center, to um, all kinds of elected officials. Or we've talked to state reps and count, city council members. And, you know, so we've, we've shared a lot of information, but it's not really like up to us to be like, yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of put a, you know, it puts us in a weird spot. Um, and we are one of the entities that accepted a donation from Bahalia. So we, you know, we, they, they, they met up with us in like late 2019. And that's when they were like, hey, we got this idea of a project. And we're like, well, here's, here's the well field. Here's the clay layer. We provided them a lot of information. And we told them about that aquifer sustainability project. And they're like, oh, well, we're looking for places to donate around town. Like, would you want a donation? And we're like, Ooh, <laughs> oh, um, and so we actually we went to like university, like the you know the head head honchos, mm -hmm. and we're like, hey, here's yeah. the deal. Like, should we take the money? They're like, well, if it's a donation, no strings attached, you know, unrestricted gift, 
then like there shouldn't be a conflict of interest mm-hmm. that's not influencing any research. You're not taking a stance right. in any way, shape, right. or form. Yeah. Right. And so and like the 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 only earmark was for groundwater education. So I was like, well, that kind of helps what I'm doing. <laughs> so um so we took the money. Um and you know it's it's I mean I will say since I'm the one managing the budget, like I've been very thankful for those dollars. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we're doing is like we're buying a truck for the Water on Wheels mobile. So it has its own transportation because right now we share with our water research team. And if the water research team is out, which they're like always out, right. <laughs> then like why well, can't, you know, take the wow out. And so like that's something that we're going to be able to do with the money. Um, and the other thing has been this Shelby County water survey this is like where my super nerd comes in. Just the way you like led up to that intro, the Shelby County water, water survey. survey. <laughs> like, okay, so like all I'm kind of going on a little tangent, but this is something. It's okay. When, it's very interesting. When it comes to like how to engage the general public, like first of all, being a relatively new Memphian, like I didn't want to like come in and be like, here's what people need to know. Like, I'm like, I don't know what people know right. and what they don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so one thing I've like been wanting to do is some kind of survey community outreach to like see where people are at in order to make better you know environmental education mm-hmm. and that that kind of aligns with this state water plan that that Tennessee drafted in 2018 called Tennessee H2O it is like the idea of water management plan but doesn't really have any funding behind it doesn't have doesn't have a plan yet but one of the things is to do this like community wide education campaign and I'm like, well, how can you do an education campaign where you don't know what people think or know or care about? And so using these private dollars, we made a Shelby County water survey that could potentially be um, made into a larger statewide thing. But um, I really wanted to canvas door-to-door talking about my Environment <laughs> Texas days, like door-to-door canvassing. Yeah. I wanted to, like, bring it back. Do you have a minute to talk about our city's water? Oh, that brings back so many memories. <laughs> um, so, but then COVID hit. This was like right when COVID was going down. Well, actually, no, this was like in the summer. So COVID had already happened. And that was still when we were, like mm-hmm. didn't know it was going to be like a 13-month-long situation. <laughs> right. And we were like, yeah, canvassing is probably off the table. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, we had to do like multiple different outreach methods. But we ended up getting like 500 responses, statistically significant, wanted to make sure that like you know, us being a minority majority county, like I wanted to make sure all voices were represented. So we had to target specific zip codes, like make sure people filled out the survey to make sure that we have a statistically yeah. significant representation of the county. But the results are in. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm like, what are they? So we are, I'm actually working with the sociology team at U of M. And so they're helping with the actual data analysis cool. and doing all the, the stat work. And so I'm hoping to have like an official public facing report like in May. Mm-hmm. And that will help drive my education outreach efforts. But then Protector Aquifer could use that data. Wolf River right. Conservancy, MLGW, Germantown Public Works, Millington Public Works. Like we're actually wanting to make sure that this information is available to everybody. Clean Memphis is another one. You know, mm-hmm. they do a lot of awesome environmental education so here, t- you know, take what you want from this. Right. But like we've done the legwork to get that understanding so then I can better target the education that needs to happen 
for the very different sectors of our community. You know, like yeah. one blanket statement's not gonna travel through everybody. You know, if I could have a really like sticky message, if you are familiar with like Malcolm Gladwell's mm-hmm. tipping point, <laughs> or really like the stickiness factor. But um, I want to work with like some like local artists and like musicians and like try to get some like cool education and outreach stuff going with that. So that's my tangent. That's my plug. No, I'm that's super pumped about it. <laughs> yeah. No, there's like I've seen some really cool illustrations of the aquifer yes. done by artists. And I'm just like, this is super cool. And like, again, I'm learning mm-hmm. a lot and I'm continuously in this sense of education when it comes to like understanding our water system mm-hmm. and all the things you said. But it really like. That canvassing you guys did to get that information, mm-hmm. I think it's very important because you have to know where you are right. to know where you need to go and, mm-hmm. like, where you need to take that education, like, for people. Because it's not across the board. Right. It's kind of – you have to know kind of where it's sticky. Like, what do people need to know? Mm-hmm. What do they want to know? So it's very interesting to hear that you guys did that because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very excited about the results. I was like, are you going to give us a sneak peek? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it's like, come on. But no, I understand you need to wait for the grand reveal. But I'm very excited. I've learned yeah. so much today. Yeah. I feel like I keep saying that, but it's true. Like, I, I wasn't I expecting. Now that I did. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go drink some water when I get home. Yes. <laughs> fresh Memphis Aqua for tap water. <laughs> well, this was super helpful. I get, you know, I mean, we in Memphis are, are – big advocates of creating advocates so right. to us it's about just exactly what you guys are doing mm-hmm. it's making sure that people are aware yes. that they have access to the information and they mm-hmm. can make informed decisions about our own community so that's very much at the heart of what y'all are doing so sarah houston with the uh, she's the associate director of education and outreach at the university of memphis's center for applied earth science and engineering research more commonly known in the studio as Caesar, which is correct. <laughs> um, Sarah, where can people learn more? Where can people learn more? Where could they potentially engage you if you, they wanted you to come out to their school? Yeah, absolutely. How can people continue this conversation? Sure. So um, through the Behalia donation again, I'm gonna plug that again one more time because we have done good stuff with the money. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I rebuilt the website, so our website awesome. is like super bomb now, nice. <laughs> and actually has we like love a website Aquifer. redesign. <laughs> <laughs> like it has like a Memphis aquifer information section and we have tons of educational resources now available. So our uh, our website is caesar.memphis.edu. Caesar is misspelled in 14 mm-hmm. different ways. So <laughs> it's um, C-A-E-S-E-R. But if you misspell it, I, I think we've got a couple of redirects. Yeah, so <laughs> Memphis, uh, caesar.memphis.edu. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. I mean, we're kind of a nerdy research center, so, like, we don't post a ton. But, like, hey, we're on there if you want to, like, you know, stay up to date. I mean, you can start an Instagram account and just do a different picture of the aquifer every day. <laughs> like, here's some sand like, and here's some other sand. Once a week, it's, like, a different rock highlight. Yes. This is Steve. Yeah. He holds the aquifer together. We do have Wally the water droplet. He's a little stuffed water droplet, and he's kind of our mascot. So, Wally. Wally He's very, very cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, so our website has um, like the those resources I mentioned, but also areas where teachers can request the WOW mobile. We're doing um, virtual tours through the rest of the spring semester. And hopefully next fall we'll be like back in right. action in person. Um, and then the social medias. And then I'll plug my personal thing. Please. <laughs> yeah, so Please that's do. our Wander Like Water is our bicycle touring YouTube yes. channel. We have a website. We have the YouTube channel. If you just want to, like, go see just, like, it's a cross between, like, 
adventure cycling and like water nerd talk with <laughs> random people. But I will say they're really fun videos. <laughs> and my husband did an awesome job editing them. So they're like really engaging little 10 minute videos. We've only made like one or two since we've moved to Memphis. Mm -hmm. And we keep like teasing people that we're going to like make more. Everyone's like, we want to wander like water. Come back. I'm like, we both have full-time yeah. jobs. And I'm like, not ready to I quit do. my job and take to the road again. I <laughs> like, oh, oh, I have that I, every once in a while. But I haven't done it. I'm, I'm invested right now. Yes. <laughs> so. Well, awesome. Well, well, we'll make sure that we put all of yes. those resources on our website and on our social. So anybody who's listening and didn't catch any of that, go to New Memphis. Uh, well, .org. <laughs> or you can follow us at the New Memphis on all our social, which is where we'll promote the podcast before it airs. So you guys are listening to it now. So obviously you found it. You found it. it. You found <laughs> it. <Okay>. Welcome. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you so much. We would love to have you back later this year and give yeah, us an update. Absolutely. Well, thank you all so much for having me. And let, let's continue fighting this good water fight. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Bye. All right, Memphis, thank you for being with us for this hour. Uh, yes. This was your Meanwhile in Memphis episode for this week. Final reminder, do not forget to join us for Memphis 101. That's on April 20th from noon to 1 o'clock. You can go to newmemphis.org to register RSVP and get that link. We hope to see you then. Christy, what else do we need to do this week? Yes, guys, just a small reminder. We had like a jam-packed episode today, so... Remember, New Memphis is a nonprofit, so we would love, love, love if you would support us. You can do that in a plethora of ways by going to our website at newmemphis.org. You can learn how you can come to events and get involved with us. And also, you know, we love a donation. That is just would be lovely if you could so see fit to give us one. Um, Anna's favorite. What is it? No gift is too small and no gift is too big. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I always say it, so I'm like, Anna, what is, it? what is it? Um, so, yes, guys, go check us out on the website. You'll find everything you need to know. And also be sure to give us a follow on social media at the – when I say at, I mean the at sign. Mm -hmm. Come on. We know this. The New Memphis. Uh, we are active on all four major social channels, so Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook. So that will be your one-stop shop. Pick to your kind poison. Of, exactly. <laughs> like your one-stop shop to kind of see all we have going on. And I promise it's a lot. You hear us talk about new things we're doing every week, all the events we have to kind of just bring you guys together and like in this environment we still live in right now in this virtual realm. So go ahead, that website, newmemphis.org and also at the New Memphis on social media. All right. Well, you guys have a good week, and we will see you uh, next week for another episode of Meanwhile yes. in Memphis. Thanks, guys. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you in partnership with WYXR, produced by New Memphis and hosted by Anna Mullins Ellis and Christy Mullen. For more information, please visit newmemphis.org. Audio for this show is recorded and produced by the OAM Network. For more information, please visit pod901.com. 